Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik and I'm joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, it's been an interesting week. Interesting is a good euphemism. Yeah, it's been it's been a uh, stressful week, um, and it, it is for, there's been a lot of back and forth for me. I don't know about you, but I, I've sure. had I've had a lot of like just I'm just gonna huddle under my covers and just like just go through Twitter an unhealthy amount and look for what n- new terror is is looming. Um, but then that'll be followed by like. Uh, okay, this is you gotta put the phone down, Kate, and go do something healthy for yourself, and you know, empowering and all of that good stuff. And so I've been calling my Congress people, and I sent my Women's March postcards in. And of course, we are recording this week. Uh, we had to record early last week, so this week we are recording obviously after our big weekends. Uh, for me, I was in D.C. You were um, in Seattle, but we both got our marching shoes on. Uh, yes. that has been very helpful. I've been wearing my, my <laughs> hat, my, my pussy, my uh-huh. pussy hat around, um, which has been, uh, caused some, some entertaining and, uh, knowing glances and exchanges, exchanges, which I've appreciated. Uh, how, how is, how has the week been for you? Has it, have you had some similar highs and lows? Or are you keeping a healthier distance from all this? Uh, no, uh, I, I realized like a Monday or Tuesday when I unplugged a little bit that I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to check thing. And then it all just washed over me and I was laid out. Mm-hmm. Just like, I don't know the best way to deal with all of this because it was, it was very much, well, if I do it all at once, then I'm just going to be like crushed under it or I can just kind of let it wash as it comes in like waves mm-hmm. and recover in between. Yeah. And I haven't been able to figure out the best way to do it yet because my response to everything has been, this is bad. And um, a re- like a healthy reminder of like, this was going to happen very, very quickly. And I don't think a lot of people realized how quick, how quickly some people did, which was nice, mm-hmm. but I still had like my mom calling me on Saturday after like I, I neglected to tell her I was marching. And so I called her on the bus back and she's like, well, do you think he's going to like, calm down just like settle in (laughs) and i just went no there's absolutely no chance of that happening there's none she's like well you're 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 generally a pretty pessimistic person so (laughs) let's try to be a little optimistic and i just went okay i'll I'll talk to you uh next week sometime because i actually haven't talked to her since then uh i need to call her after we get done (laughs) uh so yeah, the march was really, really good. Um, it was very long. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very crowded in Seattle, and the streets initially were quite narrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was it was really good. I had a nice group of people uh, that I was marching with, and we went all the way. We walked about four or five miles, mm-hmm. and it was it was good. It was it was very good. The weather cooperated for us really nicely for once. But it was it was good, and it was it it led to an artificial high of sorts of like, oh great, this feels really good. I feel really good about like what this represents. And then Monday rolled around, and just went, oh well, that didn't do 
anything at all. And then Tuesday <laughs> rolled around. And it was just like, that didn't do anything. And then Wednesday rolled around and it was just like, yeah, you know, Ben Carson's promised to be a really cool guy. And it's just like, but, but, but you just saw a bunch of people <laughs> marching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to call my senators about that one. Cause I was like, it's, He's not as crazy as, as, as the other people is not does not make you qualified to run a department of the government, which like I understand the impulse. I really do. I really like right. I get the it could be worse thing. But when you vote for someone, you're saying, I think they should have this job. They are qualified yeah. to have this job. I don't necessarily agree with their politics, but they are not disqualified. For, by, yeah. for any reason. Um, and that is very puzzling to me. Why anyone would think. Carson is qualified or any of them really for yeah that matter. well there's that but you know there's that too but uh how was like your march like, oh uh, I've seen like tons of pictures from various outlets and everything and did you get to touch Samby's bus no I didn't I didn't even oh. see Samby's yeah. bus like no, no it was insane so I was in I was in DC um and we drove down spent the day in a car uh on on Thursday and on Sunday um and recovered a little bit and made signs oh man i made signs a sign that i made um which took way too long because if anybody has seen the john mulaney comeback kids stand up <laughs> i know how big letters are <laughs> yeah i had like so much erasing so much pencil so much erasing before and then i like spelled one of the started to spell one of the words wrong i had to like get creative with how i fixed it it was the whole thing um so i spent way too long doing posts on on, on um on Saturday or Friday, I should say. But then Saturday we got up and we drove to about like walked a few miles in. So we we were able to drive um, not too far and then walk about three miles in to get to the mall. And um, it was it was amazing. It was really, really great. And it's um, I I like to think that um, my time at Comic-Con was like training because I'm not big on crowds. Uh, in general, uh, especially if I have a backpack and I had a backpack for this with like water and stuff, uh, because yeah, it makes you too. wider and a lot, you get jostled a lot more and, and it can be more stressful, but, um, but it was such a really, such an amazing experience and everybody was super chill and helpful and it was very, very positive. And, uh, for me, uh, just seeing the, the numbers, just seeing the pictures from all around the world was so heartening it was great to be there i really appreciated a lot of the speakers there was some really great stuff um uh so like in the day in the moment it was really terrific and i went with my family so uh with almost my entire family were able to to come together so that was great um i I thought it was wonderful to see to, to to watch people that i know and then complete strangers interacting and to see to watch people find out about other issues that um, I think uh, so we're maybe a little more up on because of who we follow on Twitter and stuff. Sure. So, so when I was seeing um, posts with, with uh, women of color, especially, um, but just different people who are frustrated with the women's March for various reasons that make complete sense to me. And I wasn't surprised right. by that. And I was like, and I completely understand and uh, value that. And I, I think that anybody who's, you know, going going to these marches for the first time and disappointed that they're that you know that that people are frustrated at for example the post signs you'd see of white women voted for trump i was like yeah we did statistically and it sucks and i'm sorry and 
anybody who's getting upset about that, I just think you need to reflect back. So I like that there's yeah. been so much discussion, and I I think it's really good that there are hopefully people who were out at the, for the first time protesting, like me. It was my first time I've ever been to a march, being exposed to the people who are like, oh, God, you're so late. <laughs> you're so late to this. We're glad you're here, but you're so yeah. late. And <laughs> just make sure that you are listening to those of us who have been doing this for a while. Um, so I think that there was a lot to be gained from that. Um, Hopefully that stays, uh, that, that fire stays lit. Hopefully that people stay engaged, people stay active. I've been loving, just loving the stuff um, on Twitter with the National Park Service alt accounts. Um, mm. Provided they're real. I mean, I haven't really I think some of them are. Agnosticism about it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many of them are, but especially in the, the first day of that, before they got handed over to different you know activists and stuff, um, I think that at least some of them definitely were uh, just from the, from the scientists that I know <laughs> and how they were reacting uh, felt very genuine to me. Um, so, but I've been enjoying that. I'm very excited about the potential for a tax day March and for the scientist March um, and just keeping that fire lit of this is not normal. This is not okay. Um, you can be, uh, you, you, going to a March on tax day doesn't mean that you don't care about this other stuff. It means that you care about that too. Um, and I would say the same thing for the next Black Lives Matter protest that by me that I can go to. I intend to go. And I hope other people just keep their voices raised, keep calling their Congress people, keep staying engaged. Um, the The need for people to listen to and support each other um, I think is as strong as it's ever been. And I'm hoping, I want to believe that, um, there will be more of that. I'm seeing more of that in my circle, in my like IRL circle. And I'm hoping that that is indicative of the same thing for other people. Have you seen any of that or not? Re not really. Not really. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the folks I know are fairly tapped in already. Yeah. So there hasn't been, there were already like discussions about that and awareness of that kind of, in a lot of instances, just allyship and being able to do that properly and in ways that doesn't detract from larger messages, which is something I was like super conscious of while I was marching. Mm -hmm. And it's why like when I went, it was just like, this, this isn't really about me. So I'm going to bring some oranges. I'm going to bring some bottles of water and some snacks I'm going to carry them in a tote bag, and if anyone needs anything, I've got them covered. But, like, this isn't about me in that, in that sense, because I'm perfectly fine in terms of what this, what this likely means, like, overall. Like, I mean, the effect it has on me is largely minimal, in like, directly. Mm -hmm. And so it was more so about just being there supporting as much as possible. And that's, I think, always something I'm always, like, hyper aware of so a number of other folks around me are like very hyper aware of that as well and making like the right decisions when we're saying something or if in my case very adamantly like not saying anything mm -hmm. um in terms of like just letting things be heard basically is very much my mantra with these kinds of situations and then saying something if it's someone who needs to be corrected that looks and is 
looks like me basically mm-hmm. is like a straight white guy and it's just like yeah you need to shut up straight other straight white guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well and, and for me it was so meaningful because i i was out there with my sister and my sister-in-law but i was also out there with my dad and with my brothers and with my brother-in-law and with one of my cousins um and so to be there were actually more men in our group than there were women and uh, i was it was wonderful for me to see all the guys out there in support too this idea that a, a woman's march that we don't want guys there or that women's issues aren't also men's issues aren't all of us issues is absurd so um yeah i think i think uh it was just so you just would kept just you, you would go turn around another corner and there'd just be more people and then you go to another corner i walked over 10 miles that day um and uh and you were constantly surrounded by people who um we're just reminding you that who are also worried, who are also concerned, but seeing that active, that, that seeing that you're not alone. is just so, yeah. I think it's so important. Um, when you, when you have a, a president and an administration trying to gaslight you and get you to believe alternative facts and, uh, you know, saying all of our, all of our science needs to not just be peer reviewed, but be reviewed by, by have a political review An as well. An administrative official. Yeah. Yeah. Before it can be published. It's just absurd. Um, and that's just starting. That's just the stuff that they've been able to do because it doesn't need to go through Congress yet. And there's plenty more headed our way. That's just as destructive, if not infinitely more destructive, um, that will just, just needed that, congressional rubber stamp which is all but assured right now at least so right uh as far as i'm concerned i've seen a couple things on twitter from people who uh are mental health professionals or who say they are mental health professionals who are basically like we just need to keep poking him until he gets upset enough and freaks out enough that the people who are propping him up go oh shit i guess we really can't do this mm-hmm. uh rather than waiting for that to happen in a militaristic setting or some other you know so let's just keep poking the great orange one. Well, that assumes that the people who support him aren't like, well, but we can just keep using him. Oh, we can deal with this. Yeah. It's fine. If, if, they can, if, if we can poke him enough in the right way until he has enough of a public meltdown, you know, I like to think that's possible. I think he has very little self-control. I, I, I don't think he has any self-control, but I think you're severely underestimating how badly Paul Ryan wants to remain in power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with this particular with this particular person in power, as opposed to getting rid of him and just installing Pence, which I know right. there are a lot Would of, be worse. Yeah, there are a lot of people who really want that to happen. Um, so, anyways. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. We live in interesting times. We do, but I mean, yeah, but I'm glad that you had so many guys marching with you. Mm -hmm. When my group pulled over uh, for a bathroom break uh, and we did not use um, the Portageons because (laughs) each of the lines was about like, the the organizers severely underestimated the attendance for ours. So there were like four to five, like in like little sections. Some of them were were nasty. And the lines were like 30 minutes long. And when we got to the first, when we got to like the first one that we came across, there was a woman like who 
kind of shouted half crying mm-hmm. at the t- a couple of folks from our group who made like a beeline mm-hmm. and it's just like the line's over there <laughs> and it's just like it was like the least civil part of the march was the lines for the porta johns oh wow and yeah but the lines were also like 30 45 minutes long yeah um yeah but so we we one of our one of the people marching with us worked worked in a law firm in downtown so we broke into their building broke mm-hmm. into their building she has Air access quotes. yeah and so we used the bathrooms there but when we got there it was just like well we can just use the men's room as well we don't have any guys marching with us and i just went hello hi and she just went oh i didn't know we had a guy marching with us sorry <laughs> just like it's okay it's fine i'm sure there are only like two stalls in there so you guys just go ahead i'll wait it's fine mm-hmm. we're cool but yeah so no that's that's really good i was just on i was just too unobtrusive apparently <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's just um yeah the they it was a beautiful problem to have that they yeah. so hugely underestimated the turnout pretty much everywhere um yes. but what was really neat to see was in dc there were a lot of businesses and churches that opened their doors for bathrooms mm-hmm. and water and breast uh breast pumping and feeding and 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 there was like a whole list of places um or and there were a lot of churches that had prayer centers you know like prayer services or whatever throughout the day that people could attend as well um so it was no it was really great the 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 porta potties right by where we like the speakers that we so we could hear and see and everything um we were at uh they they overflowed uh so we had to go to a secondary location but uh that 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 ended up working out just fine and we we ended up marching by right up to the white house um and through the through the mall and it was it was really great. It was really it was really amazing. So uh, I look forward to it, it just to know that was as I'm looking in like in my my Facebook bubble of my uh, family. I, I you know I did ask um, reach out to some of the Trump voters I know or or Johnson and conservative voters I know to ask them what they thought about this press secretary lying to the American people on his first day. And their answer was that they didn't care. Um, and uh, it's good for me to know that because I really, really do. But they're like, you know, they all lie. So this is a stupid thing to lie about. It doesn't matter. Um, it can be very dis- dispiriting for me um, because when I hear ans- responses like that, um, but I think it's important for me to hear them and to, to understand that that's that's where people other people are coming from um and so to see that countered in such a public and dramatic way to see the overhead shots of the chicago march because i'm familiar with those streets and to realize just what that means um Mm -hmm. was really amazing one of my students went with her mom uh she came to to lesson and she had the hat and i was like i like your hat here's mine (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so it was it was it was really cool to see young and old babies through you know elderly people in wheelchairs um and and, yeah. and everywhere in between it was really great so if you were at one of the marches uh, uh shout out to you thank you for being engaged stay involved print out your postcards send them into your representatives put your representatives phone numbers in your in your uh contact info and get calling because there's pick one thing each day because there's so many things there's all of the things so but we will now uh, transition to some TV stuff because I've actually I've actually watched TV this week. Yay! That helps. Yay. <laughs> um, Noel, did you hear from any listeners this week? 
I did. I heard from Sean, who after I mis- after hearing my resolution, uh, recommended a number of animes for me, uh, many of which I'd already seen, uh, but they were appreciated all the same. And I'll reiterate a couple of them that I had seen. So like Your Line April is really good. I actually recommended it to another friend of mine who was just like, tired of getting anime recommendations from male undergrads and i just went that's why you had to watch high school of the dead and that's a terrible idea because it's a horrible horrible show um but so like your line april sean recommended which is something else i think i mentioned to you in passing at one point or another but it's really good about uh two classical two young classical musicians um but he also recommended like one punch man uh which is a satirical look at superhero narratives uh but it's also very very good so he recommended a couple of uh, really solid choices and i just wanted to thank him for making those recommendations for us yeah greatly appreciated um i want to give a big thank you to alex who was trying to help me find information at the various uh government websites uh for oh, things gosh. isn't that impossible uh, well it's really easy to find out how your representatives have voted on things in the floor it's very easy yeah and no that's super easy freaking impossible to find out how they voted in committee yeah yeah it that's, is like I spent so much time and, and, and Alex tagged his like librarian here to the rescue. <laughs> but then like there was, so then we got some great tweets uh, and, and it was just like, yes, but I already looked there and it's not there. It's like, Oh, well, what about this? It was like, yeah, no, that, that doesn't work either. So, so I appreciate uh, very much the help. Um, and if anybody knows an, a, a good way to, um, to find out if uh, like the ways that people are voting in committee, other than watching the entire thing, <laughs> um, I would appreciate that very much. Uh, but we also had some, where is it? We also had a couple uh, tweets from David uh, about Mahler. So I will get back to you, David. I'm behind. I do need to get back to you about the Mahler that I have played. I've played several of them, not all of them yet. One day. One day. Um, and, of course, this week, uh, Mary Tyler Moore passed away. So there was a lot of talk uh, with people about uh, Mary Tyler Moore show and Mary Tyler Moore. We did a DVD shelf on uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show uh, quite a while back with Sarah Rodman, then of the Boston Globe. Now, I th- want to see, is she at the LA Times now? I want to see she's at the LA Times um, now. I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and it was that was a terrific uh, DVD shelf. You can find it at the podcast uh, website, uh, theteleverse.org. Uh, so we heard from Beth about that and some other people. And uh, also, friend of the show, Cooper Beckett, has put together a shirt that says, I stand with nasty women. Um, he's donating uh, 75% of the proceeds to Planned Parenthood. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, at the website and in the the podcast show notes so if anybody wants to check that out they can get a a cool looking shirt it's like so much fancier so much nicer and prettier looking than mine because i got this awesome art for tyler i was like i'll put it on a t-shirt yeah it's like it looks it looks so it looks it looks it looks very nice i should get one for 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 my dad probably that would be a good one to get but um anyway so that'll be um in the comments sections here but we should get into our week in TV at the end of the show this week. Um, we are now, as I mentioned last year, we're shifting up our, our format a bit, a bit, um, basically cause I need time to spend on doing things like calling my Congress people and, uh, volunteering and other things. So we uh, will be putting the DVD shelf into more of a recurring status, 
listeners. So we will still have guests every now and again, but it won't necessarily be every week. This week, um, we are not doing a DVD shelf, but we will be having a, a conversation, Noel and I, about Mary Tyler Moore and some of her standout uh, episodes of, of of her most prominent shows. But just like our relationship with her and and um, sort of thinking back on on her legacy in TV. That's coming at the end of the show. I'm very excited, Noel, to talk about more Mary Tyler Moore. Right, and I get to talk about MTM Enterprises and Grant Tinker and deregula- the how horrible deregulation of the media media industry was. Mm. Yeah, Kate, Kate's making a face of like that wasn't the point of the assignment, Noel. But that's it's okay. So the point of the assignment. <laughs> hey, hey, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so that is coming at the end of the podcast today. But first, we have a full week in TV. So let's take a break. Listen to a little music from Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and we'll be right back with our week in comedy and reality. my best friend and I know I'm not yours and that's okay I'm not your best friend of that I'm pretty sure but I'm okay friendship doesn't have to be a two-way street as long as there's a car on the road friendship doesn't have to mean a shoulder to cry on I don't need a shoulder to cry oh I'm just kidding You're my best friend, and I know I'm not yours, and that's okay. Your best friend is somebody else, but I get it. Completely get it. This week in comedy, we're kicking things off with the Good Place finale because, oh my god, it's so good. Like, listeners... Okay, so we recorded last week, and we had to record early, so uh, we knew we wouldn't be able to talk about it on last week's show. And then as soon as we finished recording, basically that night, I I watched the episodes and was like, this is amazing. Oh, we're going to be late talking about it, but don't worry, guys. We have so much to say about the Good Place finale, and that's Mindy St. Clair and Michael's Gambit. Then we'll talk about Sweet Vicious, which also had its finale, and Innocent Man and Pure Heroine. Then Noel's going to catch us up with uh, Terrace House, Aloha State Part 1. I'm going to catch us up a little with Top Chef. This week we had For the Kids. Uh, we're on Round Out the Week in Comedy with Jane the Virgin, uh, Chapter 52, and Craziest Girlfriend. Josh is the man of my dreams, right? Um, so first is the Good Place finale, and like... Slow clap, right? We need a slow oh, clap just gosh. for Ted Danson's creepy-ass, oh. evil, grin, laugh combo. So good. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, I don't even know where to start except, like, I, I think that's, like, the place to start is the fact that Ted Danson was just great this entire season, which is something the bump, drum I was beating really hard. Mm-hmm. And then the finale aired, and I just went... I'm deeply vindicated by all of this right now. <laughs> and I also just kept reminding people, it's just like, this man only has two Emmys. Mm-hmm. He's been nominated for like 14. <laughs> and he has two. And, oh, wow. But no, it's just... I, I think the, the reveal is just really deftly handled um, in a lot of ways. In that... Well, I think that, like, one of the big things is just, like, Tani's presence here was always a a question mark for a lot of people. And you and I had discussed this um, off and on when we were discussing the show and how she could be there. But then it was just like, well, she balanced it out by all the good that she did, even though she's clearly kind of horrible. Mm -hmm. And then, like, 
even like t- the episode before the two episode finale, it's just like, well, intentions matter too, Eleanor. And it just went, it, it's just like, it suddenly makes everything like snap into place right there. And then it's just like, Oh, 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 Oh. And it's, 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 it's really deftly structured in a way that allows that push in on dancing and then the grin and the smile to just hit you like a gut punch, basically, and a really good gut punch, because you're just totally buying into all of this because they've plotted and constructed this very intricate type of reality that makes sense uh, within the confines of its narrative. And then also structurally, we get Trevor, who is just terrible and we get Michael responding and interacting with them. And then we're just like, well, yeah, no, Michael seems really great. And his favorite color is the color of a soldier coming home from war and seeing his dog for the first time. (laughs) And all this, all this sort of stuff that like reiterates that we're in a good place, that we're in a happy place, that we're in a place where it's just a mistake that Eleanor and uh, Jason are both there. And then just all of it builds up and it's just like, it's so good. Like, I fell off my couch, Kate. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. And then I just did believe it because it immediately all made sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was so good. And then that's what you want. That's what's so satisfying Yeah, uh, about a, a twist or a reveal when it's like this, when it everything that you've seen still, still makes sense, still is completely valid, still works. And then you get a new context that shifts everything without negating the st- the emotional investment you've had to this point without negating yeah. the time that you've spent and without making you feel bamboozled or betrayed um so it needs to respect the audience at the same time and uh the 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 shift that we feel is the shift that they feel and that's right. why it's so effective um yeah it, it not only does it make complete sense and kind of like smooth over some wrinkles that we were all kind of just not paying attention to from the beginning of the season. Right. Um, uh, early on, we were like, I mean, Tahani, she's great and all. I mean, she's a little person. Like, she's a little full of herself, but okay. And then when we find out the intentions mattering, we're just at that point, we're not thinking about. Right. We're her, not. Like, it's spaced enough out that it's. And then it clicks in. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes total. Total sense, yeah. Okay, yeah. And it just everything becomes more clear when when it's when a twist like this is executed so well. And the other thing that it does so brilliantly is set up a whole new second season that I need to see in my brain. <laughs> it needs to go in my eye holes right now, right? Because there's so much they can do, and just oh man. And then I just and what Danson's gonna get to play as he's playing Michael, like good Michael, but we know he's evil. Like, yeah. oh, I, it's going to be so fun. If they, it's going to be season. very fun. Yeah. They seem confident about it. Like they've already started breaking the second season a little bit mm-hmm. and which is a good sign. And I, I don't see why they wouldn't necessarily like push forward with it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like just as it like advances, but I think also like, especially towards the end of the season when, everyone had a little bit of room to like write about it. Um, everyone was writing about it. Like I, there were just so many more pieces about the good place that Friday mm-hmm. <laughs> than I'd, I've seen basically all season. And it was just like, Oh, 
Right. So we were really liking this show, and then all of a sudden they pulled the rug out from under us, and now we love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Give us more now, please. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about a second season, in part for the dance and stuff that you mentioned, because it'll kind of be like watching Tom Cavanaugh in the first season of The Flash, where it's just like, the audience is now aware of the fact that something's going on with him, and each little bit of extra information we got about Eobard Thawne, as played by Tom Cavanaugh, Kavanaugh just kept going a little more arch with his performance as Harrison Wells, just for the sake of the audience, even though everyone else was just responding to him usually, all the other characters responded to him usually, but everything else took on like a little hint of menace. Um, And I'm really eager to see that hint of menace come through with everything that happens now in season two, as they kind of navigate and Eleanor gets too caught up in her really ripped post postman significant other and and what the fork is a cheaty and why can't i say fork <laughs> so i i'm i'm very very excited about a second season i'm very excited about the prospect of how these characters are going to interact again with one another and the difference in what this good this new revamped good place looks like um my only quibble and i hate that i have a quibble is that the people in the bad place just haven't read any Sart. They don't know that hell is other people. <laughs> mm. It was just like, we haven't, this is all new. And it's just like, but getting four people to inadvertently torture each other, that's existentialism, guys. <laughs> um, so I was just like, that seems a little weird that you guys hadn't come up with that in thousands of years. But then again, they couldn't do something simple like getting people to pull teeth. <laughs> so it makes up for, it's made up for the fact that like lava monsters reserve conference rooms. And there's arguments about the fact there's brief, there's brief polite discussions about who has the conference room until when, but it's all, it's all very good. And it speaks to how well that, um, Skur and his, um, team constructed a show. And the only other big question I have is when they told Danson, cause Bell, Bell knew immediately, Bell knew what was going on immediately. Cause she was a producer in the show, but I really want to know when they told Danson. Yeah, because I feel like they can't they couldn't have told him until like right before, basically, without like compromising his performance in a sense, which which isn't to speak ill of Danson's skills, because I think he's he's a very talented actor. But it's just one of those things where the impulse to like go just a little bit would probably be too much to resist in certain instances. Yeah. And and you need to have. You have to play completely straight, yeah. or else the audience will figure it out. Because, yeah. mm. you know, we don't see him by himself. Yeah. So it's not betraying the character to not do that, to not show what he's thinking. Yeah. Um, but it oft, so often um, shows with reveals like this just can't resist the, the, the urge to be clever yeah. about it. And then everybody figures it out in episode three, and they get to the season finale of Westworld, and like, this is your big twist. We all knew this already. Or Dexter, you know. Yeah. Obviously, this dude's in his head, you know. Yeah. But here's the thing. They actually told us in the first episode. They did tell us in the very first episode. <laughs> yep. Um, like, I, I, re- I don't know if you saw this comment, but um, I, a friend of mine tweeted it to me, and I think I retweeted it. But, like, Michael's bow tie in the first episode has, like, peacock eyes on it. Mm-hmm. And the peacock is a symbol that's associated with Lucifer. Ah. And I saw a comment that was basically just like, I thought it was really weird that Michael as an angel had a 
peacock pattern, oh god, they're in hell. <laughs> and it was just like, they told us in the first episode that they were in hell by Michael's costuming. Yeah. Which oh, is great. Awesome. But then, like, like Jason figured it out. He's just like, we were on a break show! <laughs> <laughs> well, and just makes stuff like, like, the bud hole just makes so much more sense, and like, building that room into it like all these different things just make so much more sense if no it's been a bruise all along come on yeah come on. uh yeah so I, I think it's got to be one of the best tightest first seasons of a comedy i've ever seen yeah absolutely and i remember a couple of folks were kind of like antsy after the like the first episode in terms of i need to see more and i was just i was like really hooked after like two i was just like this is very much up my alley and they're explaining all the philosophy correctly i'm feeling pretty good about this show <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, no, it's one I look forward to um, getting my family hooked on. Yes. Because they have not started this one, so I look forward to watching them make the journey, I guess. <laughs> and we will be talking about The Good Place at the end of the year. I am very confident. So. Yeah, like like four episodes is enough to like make it the number one show of the year, right? That's, that's okay. <laughs> that's a little early for them. <laughs> Certainly best finale, best twist best reveal best performance it's going to be in the contention for the summer's orgy yeah. absolutely uh well what about our other finale that we had this week sweet vicious right. we haven't been talking about it a couple for a couple weeks because you haven't wanted to spoil me on anything i appreciate you holding back uh, i'm all caught up i caught up with uh the last four episodes this week and uh yeah first of all you are damn straight they should not have used girls just want to be fun have fun so weird it was a very weird it was supposed to be ironic, but it was a very weird choice to make in that flashback episode. And it, it was, it was, it was like the biggest stumble the show took apart from the whole accidental murder thing. But yeah, I was just like, I don't understand this. I understand. I understand this idea. I don't know why I got this far. <laughs> Definitely. And, um, the only question I have, uh, I really thought, I really liked the end of the season. I thought it was very well done. Um, now, there's another shoe that's going to drop at some point about who was leaking the stuff about Jules, right? Because it seemed to me like like, they, like everybody assumed that Tyler had, uh, not Tyler, uh, sorry, Nate had, and then someone, then doesn't Miles or somebody say to Miles. Nate, why would you even leak this? doesn't make any sense. It makes you look horrible. But he, And Nate never said that he did. So I, I felt like there was something unresolved. Did I miss something? No, I think that there's... I think some things were left really elliptical um, yeah. for the sake of the second season, which is a little, like, not great, like, structure. Like, my big my big quibble was, like, that bright pink piece of her backpack that was still in the garage, even though the police have been in that garage, like, eight times at this point. But no one's gone, hey, this pink thing looks really out of place. Maybe we should take it back to the lab. But yeah. it's just sitting there, and it's just like, oh, guys, we get it. It's it's Chekhov's backpack, uh -huh. um, but it there's it's it's kind of like the type of loose structural stuff that kind of makes me antsy. Uh, but I also think it's just everything else that the show does, and the sort of catharsis that the show delivers in any section of its enjoyment makes up for those lapses. So it's just like even this idea, I this idea of maybe a legion of sexual assaulters forming um, mm -hmm. is just like really bizarre, but also something that plot wise and structure wise, I'm like excited to see them deal with sweet vicious. 
and how that plays out in this kind of pop comic book sort of narrative that they're constructing to deal with these kind of issues. Yeah. The, um, the, the wish fulfillment yeah. of them just beating the crap out of the seven guys. Oh, so you just beat up seven guys. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was terrific. Um, putting, uh, Harris on the Scooby squad, uh, is a lot of fun and, you know, takes care of some, some potentially, really tricky emotional uh, baggage with the friendship that I don't think the show wanted to actually have to deal with. Yeah. And uh, lets us have more fun with him. Um, I like that they finally cleared up his relationship with Ophelia, how long they've known each other and the fact that he's a grad student and everything that all made much more sense by the end of the season. And I appreciate that. Um, I liked the empowerment of the sword sisters, I like that they did have them come so actively down with Jules and and on her side and supporting her once they understood what had gone on. Um, And I like that they didn't walk away from the the hurt and the pain to Kennedy. Yeah. Which would have been very easy to kind of just overlook. Um, So I, I thought that just on the whole, the whole thing, these last episodes really delivered on on what the season had been and the promise of the first episodes. Um, I don't trust Ophelia's uh, new boyfriend. It, it, something feels a little bit off there. Just, in, you know, like I would love is it. it to is it the not fully, gr- is it the not fully grown facial hair? Is it like the kind of patchy facial <laughs> hair he has that's making you nervous? No, it's that he, he seems a little sketch and then he's saying, well, it's because someone who's on my floor got got assaulted, and I'm gonna watch it. And just again, having that everything always come back to the same issue feels it's a little tidy, which could just be following a theme and really exploring that from all these different angles, or it could be a distraction, and we find out it's actually something later. Because mm-hmm. I my I was initially theorizing that maybe he had leaked the stuff about jewels, and I don't know. Um, I also thought it was strange that we lost our rent-a-cop for the yeah, last he just, episode. Yeah, he just went away for a reason that I wasn't able to figure out. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I, like you had said, I was so glad that they came firmly down on, no, Nate's a rapist. Yes. Um, cereal. And <laughs> cereal, yeah. Uh, I like that, um, yeah, there's just, and that, that we do get his friend, you know, fully coming to terms and understanding what that means and, and making a choice and, uh, and, and other of his friends understanding what that means and not caring. I, I thought that the way that pretty much all that was handled was, was really terrific. And I'm, again, I'm so, so glad that the show's out there. Yeah. And even like it's use of the institutional aspects of this, like meeting with, uh, two high ranking university officials, but then the board going, no, He's fine. And that being something that they have to deal with and grapple with. And it allows Nate to stick around, but it also creates, it it accurately reflects the reality for a number of women, any number of women who deal with sexual assault. I loved seeing uh, Lane, because she just always is in my head. Uh, Isn't her name uh, uh, Keiko? Keiko something? is the actress I want to say um uh her coming back and I would like the 
the, that, that brief scene of of Ophelia and Jules like processing the fact that they had actually that, that Jules had been listened to and respected uh, was amazing. And then of course immediately undone, which um, yeah, I like that they that there is just a little touch of no, some places you will yeah. be believed. And other places, you know, or at Darlington, that won't matter. Uh, I, I, I thought that they handled that well. And the, the, the cover-ups and stuff with Harris, I think there's a lot of really good stuff they can explore in the next season. So, I, I'm like you, I'm glad that they're not just leaving it at, the institution won't do anything, so vigilantes. Right. Like, it's not just, like, a reason, an excuse to have them beating yeah. people up. Um, How did you feel about the whole end, like, the culmination with the launch of the app and everything? After having watched the um, APB um or whatever that robocop without the satire was i think it was apb mm-hmm. an app just makes me really nervous <laughs> uh but i i think it'll be okay um i think it's a good way for them to like find other like story avenues and i'm hoping that there are more episodes along the lines of like the sorority episode where there are different types of like sexual assaults different perpetrators of sexual assault to explore while still beating up scumbag yeah. guys that need beating up yeah. and they can beat up at least seven of them at a time and it'll be awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> and it will be awesome um do you have any final thoughts or takeaways on the season other than you know people if you haven't seen it go seek out right it's deeply cathartic um caitlin uh, over at tv mm-hmm. guide wrote a really nice piece about it and how really good it was to have something like this when we've just elected a guy who's just like, I move in on him like a bitch and grab him by the pussy. And it's just like, we need a show in which that that's made very clearly that that's not okay and not rewarded in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And it's rewarded by people getting beaten up, which is, in this show's context, perfectly acceptable and perfectly fine and very cathartic. It's like operating, like I've said, in a number, I said a couple when the show first started, operating in a very particular type of rape-revenge sort of genre. And that's there's a release in that and i think that's really valuable yeah i couldn't help but he had, have trump's words yeah. ring in my ears when nate is going through his i'm if, when they're famous to let you do whatever when you're famous to let you do whatever you mm-hmm. can do whatever you want um and uh to the point where i was wondering like when yeah. it was filmed and everything um but yeah it's it, i completely i completely agree with caitlin it's very 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 cathartic so i'm glad it's out there and hope people will check it out it's only 10 episodes they have a bunch of them at mtv.com because that's Um, where the youngsters go go to watch tv they don't watch tv on tv anymore nope definitely not uh well we we are we are the olds we are definitely not the we're not we're not the youths the youths. Okay, well, let's move on to a little bit of reality talk here, uh, Noel. Uh, what what was up this week with, or I guess, like, more than one episode, but, like, th- this drop of yeah. part one of Terrace House, Aloha State. Well, speaking State. of the youths, um, <laughs> so Aloha State is uh, Terrace House in Hawaii, if the Aloha State didn't give it away. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really interesting departure in a lot of ways from the boys and girls in the city season which is what i was raving about for the past couple of weeks in that the cast is a little more the cast is very different in the fact that this is not a group of all people who are predominantly grew up or at least spent a lot of time in japan a lot of them are all like three of them were born in the states and have spent time in japan 
two of them were born in Japan but have spent some a significant amount of time in the states and then one of them is half chinese half half european is how she defines herself which is really interesting as well though she spent some time in japan and taught herself how to speak japanese after being there for like 3 or 4 years and so it's a very different type of culture in that they're bringing to the show and in a lot of ways it makes the show a little more distinctly american which is interesting to watch like when they have a conflict they're just like all right we're going to we're going to talk about this directly uh, and then we're going to hug it out and you're going to you're going to make this okay and even when it cuts to the commentators who are discussing the show as you watch it they're just like that was very american of them to handle it that way and mm-hmm. it's even some of the drama feels a little like extra americanized in that there's just like there's confront there's polite confrontations about keeping places clean and that kind of early stages of getting to know one another type stuff. And so it has a much more distinctly American flavor, but a lot of that I think is really grounded in the fact that this is a group of people who haven't grown up exclusively within Japanese society. So their behavioral and quorum expectations for one another are pretty different. And the other thing is that uh, at least three or four of them are actually fairly fluent in English. So sometimes they just start, they just shift into discussing things in English with one another, depending on what they're talking about, which is really fascinating as well, because you can hear differences in how, like I've been told from other people and read about how thinking in a thinking and speaking in a different language, th- speaking in a different language alters how you think within that language. Mm-hmm. And you can tell for a couple of them that they're, personalities change a little bit when they're speaking in a different language and you can tell which ones they're most comfortable with by how they're talking and that makes for a really interesting sort of character not character but personal interactions among everyone so it's been it's been really interesting to watch this um if terrace house my discussion of terrace house like kind of got you excited and you being you kate or anyone listening but you're just like, I don't really want to do 46 episodes of this show, then this is a good way to like get your feet wet with eight episodes to get a different kind of experience with, but still having the same type of, well, everyone gets to keep their jobs, everyone's a student or professional aspiration type stuff, but there's still this kind of Americanized aspect to it that's not present in the Boys and Girls in the City season, which kind of takes away some of the difference and pleasure that i was experiencing in with the boys and girls in the city season uh but there's still i think really interesting things that can happen personality wise here but it's just been it's been interesting to watch and this season like any other really good real world season uh there's a virgin and Mm -hmm. he has he's never been on a date before like his first date is happens on the show except for the fact that she doesn't consider it a date so it's very it's very awkward and very sad, and they went to go see Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, and didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no! Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's just it's it's really interesting. But I I keep wondering how much of a say Netflix is like going in with the Japanese producers and saying, well, I mean, we're not officially in China, but having a half Chinese person on the show can't hurt us and you can just see like ted sandros is doing calculus in his head for like market expansion because this is one of those shows where it's available in all it's available in every single country that netflix is in basically 
and this is one of those things where it's the local going global and it's very much Netflix's new business model in a lot of ways. And I, I think that's really compelling. And I think it's really interesting to see Terrace House's the show that is probably their trial balloon for doing this kind of thing in a very cheap way since it's a reality programming. So I'll be curious to see what else they end up licensing or what else they end up developing from other countries based on how well this show goes. They've, er, they've given it 24 episodes, I want to say, 24, 18 to 24 episodes. But they can extend that for as long as they want, basically. Uh, but so we'll see. But I'm I'm going to keep watching. So if anything really crazy happens, uh, like nothing too crazy happens in the first eight episodes, but I'll check in with it periodically as uh, the show continues or when they drop a second part. That's so fascinating, though the watching that personality thing you're saying about the different languages yeah. and that's really that's really really interesting. Now, so far, based on these eight episodes, yeah. do you prefer? the the original flavor or do you are you finding the complexities of the the international stuff more interesting well i i i sort of prefer like the original flavor a little bit just because of the interactions are a little different they're a little less direct in a lot of ways and so there's Mm -hmm. a little more navigating in terms of how we talk to one another that i think is really interesting Mm -hmm. and very immediately like within the international version relationships between like the genders are really clearly defined very very quickly and within aloha state it's we don't see the women interact at all like they're when we finally see them together it's to it's to discuss cleaning and specifically within their room though because one of them is kind of messy and you can just tell that these are three people who a haven't spent a lot of time together but b kind of don't really click with one another in a lot of ways and part of that is like all three of them have like jobs or like things that are keeping them busy so they're like not in the house at the same time whereas Mm -hmm. two of the three guys are like grow up really quickly and there's an immediate connection between the two of them and Mm -hmm. it's just been interesting because again within boys and girls in the city those connections happen really really quickly and mm-hmm. there's that didn't happen here, and I'm I'm trying to figure out like watching it how much of that is just a cultural difference or how much of that is a we just don't have time to talk to one other sort of thing. And even but even then, within boys and girls in the city, when they had a woman who was a ballerina and was like really busy for basically the entire time she was there, she still got along with everyone fairly well. But there's like tensions within this group already in a lot of ways. And I have to chalk a lot of that up to just the fact that there's not a cultural gap, but there's enough of a cultural mix and that's causing slight frictions. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, do keep us updated. And I like, that's just so, so interesting to be able to follow a show through these different iterations and mm-hmm. hopefully it'll still be terrace house and not be completely co-opted yeah I, I don't think there's any fear of that just because it needs to still speak to its primary audience which is still japanese viewers mm-hmm. and i think that it's really significant at least for the japanese producers that it does that and feels like that but even like their etiquette of like welcoming one of their back to the house is absent which is a basic etiquette thing within Japan that they don't exercise on this version, but is basically every time someone comes back to the house, there's a welcome back, a I'm back, and a welcome back 
uh, that sort of etiquette thing is just completely not here in part because they're in the States, but in part also yeah. that these are people who have different connotations of coming and going with one another. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to catch up a little bit with Top yes. Chef. Uh, this week we had For the Kids, and uh, it was a uh, – we're down to seven. Okay. Yeah, it, it was an episode, and they each had to make – they did the, the – the quick fire was the palate test. Okay. And um, Brooke just crushed it. She got sure. 16 out of 20 in five minutes. Damn. And, yeah. But that's not surprising because Brooke's great. And the second place was like 12 – and Michael Voltaggio, who was the guest, yeah. did it, and he got like eleven or mm-hmm. twelve too. So, like, well done. Like the lowest, the lowest was Emily. She got five. Um, but yeah, yeah. So Emily went home this week, which was good because she was out. She was out of her depth. Um, <laughs> at least that's what was coming through uh, through the edit via the edit. Um, but yeah, she. I don't. I think she wasn't ready to think like which i i'm sure you were seeing in the earlier episodes uh, of the season two she just was too scattered and um caught up with baggage yeah you know like when she had to cook for the chef that she had she that she knew personally and these different things she was a little too distracted and a little too frazzled so i'm not surprised that of the top six five are returning chefs that makes sense yeah just because they have more experience with dealing with the stress and the pressure so that's just gonna benefit them yep. um i think uh like so, some of the different things they were making just sounded so amazing um uh, just really really interesting so like brooke made uh eggs benedict crepe okay she sous vide um the the egg, egg yolks okay. to be like perfect and then she did like sauce and everything and she made crepes fresh and put into it for a hundred people by the way <laughs> um no yeah that's, noel's that's, making a face that's not that's not that's witchcraft that's not cooking yeah that's that's, that's witchcraft burn her yeah <laughs> but she didn't win the person who won was the was the rookie who did a like a, a meat lollipop thing oh well um, that's you're always gonna no win but with it's a meat apparently lollipop. it seemed Seems really good, and um, and and Sheldon made this tea, this barley tea thing mm-hmm. with rice. It looked amazing, and well, it's Sheldon. Um, John <laughs> killed it with um his dish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was when when Tom has your your dish, and then goes to like the crowd that's like wait queuing up to go up to your little stand. He goes like, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> get one of these that you could feel pretty good and he wasn't even in the top three yeah so like so they just had it was it, it's reassuring when you're watching one of these reality competition shows and you get to like the top group of people and you all feel like they deserve to be there yeah. um yeah uh, casey did this really neat idea it was, it was a macaron but it was like a um a crab cake okay macaron sort of thing ish yeah. Uh, but it was just really, really neat in the way she, because she had this thing with one of her grandparents, grandmothers about macarons, this other grandparent about, about cra- uh, her grandmother about crab cakes. And so she's like put it in this, and I, which I never would have thought to do right. ever. But so it was really neat to see these, diff- whenever they get to draw from personal memories and experiences, the the stories are always great, which from a narrative standpoint, you know, uh, is, is, is lovely to watch. But also I think it gives them a lot more creativity uh, culinarily so they get a lot like they're they're more out there with some of their ideas that they wouldn't necessarily have gone to on their own so so it was it was a fun episode um not particularly memorable but um 
but 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 still, I, I'm enjoying the season, and it's been a while since I checked in, so I wanted to give a few thoughts. Uh, this week we had Jane the Virgin come back, chapter fifty two, and again, I don't have a lot to say about this one other than uh, we now have a much stronger connection <laughs> with with uh, Rogelio's uh, potential baby mama. Because, you know, it's the same actress who is wonderful on One Day at a Time. Uh, this is Justina Machado, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And immediately after going back to this, watching this episode, I went, oh, oh, it's oh, her. That's who that, yeah, we love her. I love her now. I care a lot more about what's happening in this plot than I did before the break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that was basically one of the, that was basically the big takeaway from this episode for mm-hmm. me was like, Oh, I care about the Sorhelio plot now, and I'm interested in this, and I'm going to pay more attention because I, I really like this actress now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there just wasn't like a lot of too much stuff apart from Petra doing a little more scheming, like a lot more mm-hmm. scheming with a really, from what I understand, a pretty uh, blatant like Americans homage with some of the framing that they did while she's talking to vests and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 chugging along. I'm I'm still not feeling like super engaged by the season anymore, and I'm like struggling to figure out why. Um, mm. Like I've just found myself like drifting away from the show to like check Twitter or do something online uh, real quick while it was on, but then just go. It's okay. I can catch up later. In terms of like the narrator will catch me up next week later is what I was thinking in my head. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I, I'm. How are you feeling about like Raf's um, like concerns about his wealth and everything, and the biological specification and what Petra is going to do to take advantage of that? And if this is like, or is it like too slow burning for this kind of really sudden reveal, or do they need to like do something much bigger, way quicker to like make this seem like a bigger deal? I think. For me, I just, we talked about it last year. Yeah. I do not care yeah. that he is adopted. Um, his parents are still his parents. He doesn't remember any of their parents. And it doesn't change anything. Like, it, he, it should throw him. It should be disconcerting. It should be something he's got to kind of process and deal with. But I think it feels, it's very false to me to have that just be some big thing that changes everything. Because he's not really a lot. It's like, but I, I think that's asinine. So I don't know. I just, for me, I'm disconnected from that storyline. So that's not helping. I don't care about, um, I do not care about Jane's cousin, um, or any of that. So that's not helping. Um, I am a little, like, I don't really buy this stuff with Michael where he was on the mend and now he didn't pass his physical. So he can never be a cop again or something. Uh, that's way too quick. And they haven't demonstrated, it, it, like he seems fine. Yeah. So if if there's something holding him back physically from being a, a, a police officer outside, like who works outside, you know, not on the on a desk, who's like out on in the field or whatever, um, they I think they they should have that reflected in him, because uh, he seems the same as always, and I don't think that that necessarily then works. Uh, it feels just like a way to give him a storyline. Um, and I think it betrays the commitment we've always seen from him to be a detective, to to have him just like trying to like the idea that he would think he could be happy as a car salesman was ridiculous. Um, and so, yeah, like him going into the law, it's like maybe. OK, but again, I just I don't know. I'm having trouble with some of these 
storylines. Right. And I feel like between a lot of the Michael stuff that we got here and the Jimmy Stewart impression is that everyone went, oh, Brett Dyer is really funny. We're just going to have him do funny things for a little while. And I just went, well, that's fine. But I feel like there's no reason why he couldn't just get his PI license. Yeah. And I mean, I know it's not the same thing. And that in a lot of cases, it's going to be a lot of like mundane photographing from a car type stuff. Uh, But I think that the show's creative enough that they can find good avenues for him to do stuff as a PI that can still further various plot elements. Yeah. And so this feels like a weird tension apart from the fact that they just went, he's really funny. And that, that B is really funny, but yeah, <laughs> it, it just, like you said, it just feels like we're like, we're getting really reset in a lot of ways. And there's also just a bunch of like little things that don't factor into audience enjoyment, audience care. But again, like the cousin who's just, flitting around for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we'll see where that goes, but I don't buy for a second that they're going to have him be in law school for the next two seasons no. so that he can become... That's just not going to happen. Uh, and they know it and we know it, and I would like them to not pretend that we don't. He could be... You know what he could do, though? He could become an investigator for White Feather and Associates. He could indeed, and that would be something I would be happy to see happen. Um, let's move on to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Josh is the man of my dreams, right? Um, we had the Santa Ana Winds come through this week, which I thought was fun. Had a lot of fun with that musical number, even if it did go on too long and recur too frequently. But I feel like we got to start with You're My Best Friend, even though I'm not yours. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, I've been tweeting about this a little bit, like... T- by a little bit, I mean twice within the span of 24 hours. Um, <laughs> how, how did that number land for you? Because it was like the big takeaway oh. number for me this week. It was terrific. I mean, like, I I would have liked it to be a better song, mm-hmm. you know, so that I could, so that, I would, so that it would work a little better outside the context, okay. you know? Like, I, I, I would have been nice for me if if it was almost the same, but just, like felt more like an actual song and less like one idea that he repeats several times. You know, I'd like to have seen it a little more developed. But even with that quibble to it, I think it's a terrific idea. I think it's what we got was very good. It's one of the more uh, potent things they've done. And the idea, that concept of sometimes your best friend, you're not their best friend. And that doesn't negate... Your, you know, like the connection that you do have, and you shouldn't just be like, well, that's horrible and wrong. You just go find a different best friend. Like, I think that's a child, a childish response to that. But I've definitely, in various points of my life, had my best friend be someone who had a better best friend. Yeah. Who another friend that they were closer to and they'd known longer. And especially if you've ever, I mean, I have never like moved, but I'm sure people who, like moved to various points in their life would come into a group of friends and they would have a best friend, but they were still like two years behind, three years behind everybody else, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, even though it's in like stranger things that comes up a little bit in stranger things. Right. So like, I, th- that's a really, that's a very real thing. And, uh, I really, I really like that number. I thought it was, was a great idea and I'm glad that they, that they found space for it. Right. And I, I'll co-sign everything that you said about like friendship and in the interconnectedness of people. And I mean, I live in constant fear of being like, oh, I'm not this person's best friend. They're clearly mine. <laughs> 
I just need to be cool with it. I'm cool with it. You're cool with it. And I am cool with it. And it's okay, really. But yeah. it's one of those things where you're just like, for, sometimes you can just be really aware of it. And that song really speaks to that. But mm-hmm. your point about like the song needing to necessarily be kind of like a little more fleshed out as opposed to mm-hmm. just a repeated concept. I felt like that really worked in part with the song felt very much like, like very much like a kid's song in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that this is a song that you would do like pre-K kid, kindergarten type stuff. Hence the repetition, hence like learning a valuable lesson about friendship through kind of a kid centered type of song in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was kind of my takeaway from it. And having like Daryl who is in a lot of ways, like a very impulsive big kid, um, in any number of ways. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but also like this entire arc that arc, like chain of events that they've given him regarding mm-hmm. Paula and his friendship with Paula, um, feels very much like coming to realization about how friendship works and that sort of thing. And, but also speaks to how generally lonely he was basically until Rebecca showed up <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah. to facilitate these kind of realizations and introduce him yeah. to like white Josh and well, and the development in Paula right. and her coming more out of her shell. And yeah. 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 All of that. So I, fe- I, I felt like the song really worked for me and like, I'd been tweeting, like it hit like way too hard in like personal feels <laughs> and I couldn't get, I still haven't been able to get out of my head and it's the uke and it's all of it mm-hmm. really, but yeah, it's, it's really good. And it, it quietly steals the show from like the much splashier, we should have intercourse number, which is just kind of mm-hmm. bland for me in a lot of ways and didn't really land. Yeah. And I didn't get the love yeah. for that one. I, like, I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's, you know, but like, I don't know. I just, it was a little, again, a little one, one note yeah. to me. I, you know, and it's supposed to be entirely from his perspective, but. It's, I mean, it, like, it's, and it's very well done. It, it very accurately gets through what he's thinking and where he's at and why he's terrible. Um, but it's not, again, it, I don't feel like the, in the best songs in Crazy Girlfriend, the style, um, the, the genre really amplifies the message and kind of helps bring everything to a next level. I don't think that happened with that number. I don't think it happened with the, 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 the Santa Ana wins song either. Whereas it did with, the friends, like you said, the fact that he just like pulls out a uke and he's like, like that's so fitting yeah. for that. But why did we? Why was it a dirty dancing kind of inspired thing? And that style, I mean, he's just kind of gross and, and terrible. But I, I also still am not feeling any chemistry between them. Yeah. Um, which other people, other reviewers and people who watch are. So I'm sure that helps. Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling it either. As much as I enjoyed him saying, well. I think Ravenclaw is what people who want to be Gryffindor say they are, but don't want to appear too braggy. And I enjoyed that. And I shared that actually with a couple of former coworkers and they're just like, as an actual Ravenclaw, I find that really offensive. I thought it was hilarious um, because I'm a Gryffindor official sorted. And so is my mom and like almost the, my, the entire rest of my family Mm -hmm. who have been sorted all Ravenclaws. Uh, My grandma is a Hufflepuff. 
and my sister's a Slytherin. Um, but the rest of, like, all, everybody else in my family that has been sorted, like, my brothers, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my great-aunt, like, they're all Ravenclaws. So I, I, I think that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, like, the one bit of, like, non-business kind of thing, like, personality that he's had. Um, yeah. Which is good, but it's also just, like, th that's not enough. I need, like, I need something else really to carry him through and mm -hmm. but to shore it up with him firing George again after he knows George's name like right. he's learned George's name yeah. right it's just like okay I'm not, I'm still like kind of just seeing him more as a way to instigate Josh and Rebecca drama as opposed to anything else which is not what I I'd rather be spending time with like Daryl and White Josh instead See, I like that he fired George. Yeah. But I would have liked better if George came back again. Right. And maybe he will. Because <laughs> so, they're, they're just going to keep getting mileage out of that joke. But no well, yeah, I like that they do. Like, he is a person. Yeah. He's just got a lot of his own stuff that he's dealing with. He's yeah. just as, you know, kind of messed up with his relationship with his family as, um, as Rebecca is with her mother. Um, and when you see the person peek through, like they're talking about Harry Potter and stuff like that, then like, you're like, Hey, hey there's a good, there's an interesting, fun, like human in there. Yeah. Uh, but I like that. It's not just like he hangs out with Rebecca I I for, you know, a few hours and all of a sudden he's a nice person. Like that doesn't. So I like that. He is still a dick that yeah. you can be both. Um, but, uh, I also, you know, we need to, we need to have them all learn George's name. So <laughs> I really hope George gets back are you sure it's <laughs> george are you sure it's not jerome it, are you sure it's not washington yeah <laughs> that was delightful um any other thoughts about Chris? how do you feel about paula uh taking taking her husband back i feel okay with it really just because i feel like that that's a marriage that has just like in a relationship that has survived those two really horrible kids <laughs> um yeah. so that they can like just need a basically time apart to sort themselves out that this was very much a mistake and but i mean it's also not something that's immediately fixed either is one of the yeah. things and i feel like if the show's done the show's done a number of things really right but if they're not the one thing that they haven't really short-circuited or sped up has been paula this season and mm -hmm. I feel like there's there's enough room for them and enough expectation for them to be able to keep that going. Uh, and it's it's telling that Paula's relationship is the one I'm most worried about <laughs> on this show. Uh, how was that working for you? Were you how did you feel about that? I thought it was terrific because uh, let's keep in mind the current stat is something like fifty percent, right? Yeah. Of marriages have had infidelity. Yeah. Um, and you don't know how many of those, you know, marriages that is a known quantity in the marriage, yeah. you know, whether the person got caught or confessed or whatever, or if they just didn't. But, um, I think the assumption that an outsider can pass judgment on someone else's marriage because it has withstood infidelity is absurd. Mm -hmm. because it's not your marriage it's not your partner it's not your choice and your life so the idea that um I, but, I, but i think that societal pressure around that is enormous i say as a single person <laughs> but you know never been engaged or married or anything like that um so so i it felt very real um the the shame that goes with that you know for for paula 
um, felt really palpable. But then that that notion of you know what it's none of your goddamn business. And if 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 she wants to work this, try to work this out with her husband, if that's what's best for them and 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 their family, then it's none of your goddamn business. And who cares what you think? Yeah. And I think that's a message that um, you know it would be good. It's good to get out there. You know, I'm happy that it's, that it's, that it's the kind of storyline that you see her dealing with and ultimately, ultimately making the choice that is best for her, regardless of what that is. Um, and if the best thing for her is to move on cause it's too much pain is too broken, then that's fine too. But yeah. this, um, assumption that, well, the correct thing to do when you've been cheated on is this, um, that is, that is something that that is a stance I would have had when I was younger. Um, when you know i think i think we have there's a lot more absolutes when it's sure. not your relationship when it's not your uh when it's not your life um so i, I like the show embracing the ambiguity and um supporting her in that and, and her, her needing to hear that from different people and we saw with daryl his marriage didn't survive it yeah but hers might and um and it's nice to see that counterpointed so i i liked it i really like like the pacing of it and like you said the the fact that they haven't been rushing the paula stuff i think is really terrific yeah yeah and then the last thing i had with chris's girlfriend was just thinking of dr copian <laughs> like i could get a second kayak i guess two weeks to the wedding sure that's that's healthy um did you like the wind thing or the the the, the different reprises we got or the the end tag with Stephanie Weir and her uh, love triangle. Uh, the wins thing just didn't really like you. I thought it like got played out really quickly, and it was also just really weird. Like initially, like I was just like, okay, we're gonna do. I get, I get the impulse, and I get why you're doing it in this style, but it just, it gets really just tired. But I did enjoy the tag with her love triangle of prison mm-hmm. lovers. And just like this is all, this is very awkward for her. I hope she's able to work it out. <laughs> Stephanie Weir is she's always terrific she on is. everything. Yeah, so very, very, very glad to see her get a little more time. Though we need more Y Joe. It's been too long. We need Y Josh back in the mix. Yeah, I think we can both agree. Um, well, any final thoughts on Crazy Ex Girlfriend? And if not, what wins your week in comedy? I, as if it was a question. As if it were a question. I can't do like a Ted Danson grin and laugh properly yeah but it's it's the good places finale it's just yeah it was it was so good it was, it so, was good. so good <laughs> yes sweet vicious oh and shout out by the way uh we're gonna be talking about mary tyler more later but shout out to sweet vicious where they're all like oh that's i need to take my pill and we watch them all take their birth control yeah <laughs> yes preach mtv uh so lots to, to love about sweet vicious um and and crazy girlfriend this week but definitely it's not even a question the good place mm-hmm. finale wins the week in comedy uh now we'll take a break listen to some more music and come back with our week in genre and drama
this week in genre and drama, we're taking a quick trip to Riverdale. Yes, right. Riverdale had its premiere, Chapter 1, The River's Edge. Then we'll do a quick roundup of the various CW superhero shows. The Supergirl, Supergirl Lives, The Flash, Borrowing Problems from the Future, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Raiders of the Lost Art, and uh, and Arrow, Who Are You? <laughs> or Who Are You? Probably. Um, then we'll round things out with Adventure Time, which had Two Swords, Do Not Harm Wheels, High Strangeness, and Horse and Ball. So glad Adventure Time is back. Um, so, okay, you've seen several episodes Two, of Riverdale. Yeah. I've seen the you've, I've seen the first episode, and this is not a show for me. I don't care, and I, I almost ir- like I, I guess I'm just mildly irritated that I gave it an hour of my Aww. life. Um, <laughs> It's not good. It's just not, I'm not interested. I don't care about any of the characters. Uh, quick way to turn me off is to do the pointless fa- uh, faux lesbian kiss. And you don't get uh, brownie points for immediately calling out what you're doing after you've done it with absolutely no purpose. So they, it's like they're trying to lampshade with the, the cheer person's, uh, whatever, Shelly or whatever her name is, like like calling them out for that. But it's like, but you're the guy who wrote the script or the person who wrote the scripts. So you don't No, that's not how this works. Um, it didn't. So, so like they already had some negative brownie points for me for that. They had negative brownie points for the stupid, pointless, um, high school fling with the, with the teacher. Ugh. As someone who works with, with middle school and high school students all the time, it just drives me nuts every time that storyline comes up because like, it's not okay. Yeah. That is rape. That is statutory rape. It is not okay. Um, <laughs> so there's so much for me to not like about this. And I didn't think any, it was anywhere near as clever or interesting or intriguing as they wanted me to think it was. And as I've seen a lot of other people really embrace this and be excited about it. But no, this is not for me. And if it is for you, Domni Domni, you know, bless you. Go have fun with Riverdale. But I will not be watching more. Uh, I think I had a much stronger reaction than you did, Noel. Yeah, yes? I mean, I, I I liked it in that uh, I enjoyed kind of its self-awareness, I think, in a, in a way that you didn't. And I enjoyed its uh, Everwood Pretty Little Liars by way of Twin Peaks mashup uh, that it does uh, fairly well, I think. Um... But I totally understand where you're coming from with a lot of that. And I, I agree that, like, the Archie-Grundy um, relationship is just ridiculous. And also, even more so when it's just like, that woman in the comics is, like, 70. But we're going to make her really <laughs> young, really hot. But we're going to stick her in really big, like, round glasses to make her seem mousy and less hot. Because that's how that works. It's not how that works. Yeah, that's how bone structure works. <laughs> Come on. That's not how glasses work for a lot of people. I don't know what you're, what you're thinking, Riverdale. Um, yeah. So I, I feel you on that type of stuff. But I really like how very quickly, like, Betty and Veronica's friendship is, like, hits really very quickly. And even more so next mm-hmm. week. That that's really where the show is for me in a lot of ways. Is in their friendship, I think is going to really kind of propel the show forward in a lot of interesting ways, hopefully. And mm-hmm. more so than me being deeply confused by the fact that there are two really good looking redheaded guys and one of them is dead, but I keep forgetting which one is which. And that's not confusing. <laughs> and so we'll, I, we'll, I, I'll, I'm going to keep watching and I'll, um, I'll check in very briefly so that you don't have to listen to me talk about it too long and cause oh, no i feel free rage. I, look, I look forward to living vicariously and just like 
getting all the enjoyment without having to you know spend the time that i'm all yeah. for it and apparently other people are super on board too but like yeah this is not this this like subgenre of teen show is not for me well then i mean maybe the dynasty reboot that they announced today on the cw will be totally for you also not also, for me there's there's gotta be like feminism and beating up the patriarchy at some level if I'm going to watch a teen soap of this style and I need to be laughing because it needs to be funny. Right. And this is not that. No. And I, I think there are attempts to be funny kind of land flat sometimes. So it's like Archie got hot and it's just like working over the summer at his dad's granite quarry. Right. I don't think that's how that works exactly. No. But sure, we'll <laughs> we'll run with that, okay? But I I'm mm -hmm. also just here for like Luke Perry's sad dad beard, because <laughs> uh, yeah. he's really channeling like a very sad dad type of uh, approach. So we'll see, and I'll keep you in the loop how it goes. Um, I'm told like the third episode's not particularly good, um, mm -hmm. and the fourth episode's like kind of so-so's because they made the first four available to a lot of folks. So. I'll let you know how it goes if anything really significant happens going forward. Yeah. Well, rather than spending more time on Riverdale, let's move over to Supergirl because we have to like give an in like an inverse spotlight of shame. We have like like a thunderous standing ovation round of applause to Supergirl for a tweet that they sent out uh this week that i saw making the rounds i don't have it in front of me but basically it just was someone ahead tweeted at them and said hey guys tone down all the the lesbian stuff tone down all the homosexual stuff because i watched the show with my seven and my ten year old and what am i supposed to say to them and the supergirl response from the official supergirl twitter was uh you should tell them that love is love and it's beautiful no matter who you find it with uh and i was like yeah yes way to go Make, you know net network tv like this is you know especially in the current political sphere but um i was very very excited to to see that straightforward really out there um um support of of you know women who love women um and uh, of course it was also helped by one of my very favorite signs in the women's march was <laughs> michelle benoist and her mm -hmm. hey donald don't grab my pussy it's made of steel yes <laughs> um, which was amazing, just like, you know, I think she had a, a feminist shirt on too. So just like she the did. fact that the CW was cool with her doing that, because you know they, you know, would have to get approval for that kind of stuff, you know, or they could get in trouble if, yeah. if the CW wasn't okay with, with their, you know, big stars going out for these things. So, um, yeah, right now I'm super on board with the CW. <laughs> we'll see how much that conversation shifts as the 100 gets started back up. I am very puzzled by the people who seem ready to give that show another chance. The people who really were really upset last season, who are now like going to give it another shot this season. I don't get that, but um, you know, you guys do you. Uh, but for right now, I've, like CW has got so many brownie points in my book. No, it, it, I saw that tweet as well. And it was just really nice. And the woman's response to a lot of people like veered towards being like as civil as possible which was nice mm -hmm. and um just her response to a lot of folks being like well i'm not i don't know how to explain this exactly and it's just like well if you don't know how to explain it you're gonna be really confused if kara comes out as like asexual at some point and mm -hmm. i'd love to see you explain that even though that's so not where the show's going no and um so it's just the representation is just really great and the show's 
owning of the representation is also really, really important. And I think that's really good to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only other thing about this particular episode is that I swear to God, Kate, if it wasn't for Chris Wood, I think I would hate Monel. Mm-hmm. But I really love Monel, and I'm pretty sure it's entirely because of Chris Wood's really solid comedic timing and <laughs> delivery of things. Like his whole that yeah, that isn't seltzer water. What yeah, what, yeah. what is what, what is, is seltzer water? water? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just his like really just very casual off the off the cuff really line delivery has just been like steadily ratcheting it up. But I feel like Monel in really lesser hands would feel really forced in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And his doesn't. And I really appreciate that. So him being like the earnestness of them, like, kind of, like, cuddled, not cuddled, but, like, yeah. sharing a blanket on the couch and him being like, I want to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is so cute. And he's just <laughs> like, I want I want, a, I want an outfit, too, with a cape. And I'm just like, this is so cute. And it's also really horrible because he's lying to them. Yeah. He's totally the prince, right? Yeah, no, he's totally the prince. Yeah. I mean, he's got a dominator bowing to him. Yeah. <laughs> He's to- well. He has an alternate. He has an alternate Earth dominator bowing to him. He doesn't have like an Earth Prime dominator yeah. bowing to him. But still, well, in the way he's like, oh, the prince was no one to be admired. That kind of a thing. So there's obviously yeah. some self hate going on there. But um, yeah, no, I thought that that there, you know, it was a fun way to do a, a familiar story beat that we've seen pop on on different um, genre shows. It, it was a little um, the St- Kevin Smithness of it was a little amped up for. When I think it was a little bit out of just like a, t- a tweak too much, but I liked yeah. the that they lampshaded the Stargate and these some of these other things too. I like them dealing with when <coughs> the realities of being in physical danger, actually coming home for Win. But the, I liked that they got they they went through that and just in one episode instead of stretching it out. I thought it worked. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I I look forward to you know, what's, what's coming next. But I thought it was a solid entry. I'm very glad it's back. And, yeah. uh, it's so nice to see Alex happy, you know, Kyler Lee's really continuing to, to, to do that storyline very well. And, um, just cause we never get to see glowy, happy Alex. And so yeah. seeing that this week really does highlight how much we haven't seen it yet. Yes. Yeah. Last season, like was very, I'm happy for you that you're being a superhero. I'm worried about you, but I'm kind of happy for you too. But this is like very like effusive. Mm-hmm. I'm discovering new things about myself in a supporting environment. And this makes me feel really good. Yeah. That's is I'm happy for me. Yeah. And yeah. we haven't seen that before. And it's nice right. to, sh- this, to show that the show is really playing in that sphere. That being said, let's get some more time with, with, um, uh, Martian Manhunter. Let's get some more time with, uh, James. Let's get some more time with Wynn. And let's also discuss how Catco just hands, like, physical stories to Snapper as opposed to uploading them to, like, a CMS system. It's just like, why are you giving them in science report folders like you're in high school? Yeah, that's is not... there no online, is there no inter-office editing program that that's you guys have installed? That's not how that works. Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, okay, well, let's move on to Flash. Borrowing problems for the future. I think all things considered, uh, this was actually a pretty solid episode. I was more concerned about where... They were gonna co- go after the like the cliffhanger, and this yeah. was actually a little reassuring for me. How did you how did you feel about this one? Uh, so I wrote about this a little bit in my write up, but I'm like I'm excited by the fact that they gave us a roadmap for mm-hmm. the season going forward, and a couple of for a couple of reasons. But the the biggest of which is the fact that, as you and I discussed a lot last year, is that. 
Flash just suffered a lot from like seasonal drift in that we just had to wait forever for Zoom to do things. Yeah. And then we got like pointless villains of the week that didn't contribute anything. So now because there's an end goal in which isn't, well, how did Savitar come back? But it's a, how do we stop him from killing Iris? And it's, we're going to look for these six things and stop them from happening or alter them in some ways so that this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really great because it gives the audience something to really look forward to, but it also gives them a structure for their arc storytelling that has been severely lacking in that they're not devoting any time or space to their villains of the week and very well in that they don't feel as fresh or as engaging or as they don't get the energy that they got in season one, basically. And this gives them some more momentum to do stuff basically, and still tell their arc story. So they have landmarks, basically, that they need to check off so that it doesn't feel like we're waiting until episode 18 to get to the big stuff, the big run-up to the end. And I think that that's really important, and it gives them a much-needed structure that they they just desperately need, basically. And I'm really excited for basically all of those things, in part because all of them sound incredible, except for that one about Luigi's reopening after a murder. But that's the one that doesn't make, I don't know anything about. So that's the one I'm most interested in. <laughs> but everything else is just like city still recovering from gorilla attack, three exclamation marks. And it's just like, gee, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> hmm. uh, well, and they do a really good job of spreading out between the different characters. Cause they have so many characters at this point. So it's yeah. good to, that they've got something with, with Joe, they've got something with Cisco. They've got, so like they're, they're making sure that they, you know, obviously with Caitlin too, that they keep things in, in, in play. Um, the stuff with Caitlin, I liked, I like that there's more threat there. Um, lady chain yourself to a wall to charge your gauntlet. Like, yes, that sucks. Yeah. But if your options are, I might yeah. lose myself to my evil thingy, if I don't, then you deal with sleeping next to a charger. I mean, come on. There are power bricks now. It's not difficult to charge mobile devices anymore. No, no. But I like that that, that, that is back in play. Um, how, how are you liking Julian and the whole him joining the team thing? Uh, I'm okay with it, just because it was, there wasn't any, there wasn't going to be any more tension between them in the off, in the CPD office, basically, at this point. Because it's mm-hmm. just like, we all know what's happening now, and I'm a bad guy-ish against my will. Uh, so it, they needed that to, like, have Julian still feel like part of the show. Because otherwise, it's just like, why are you still here? Yeah. Barry doesn't even come to work anymore. Why are you still here? And speaking of Barry and work, how are they paying for that loft, Kate? We're really not supposed to think about it. <laughs> I wanted to know how they were paying for those three massive area rugs that he yeah. had on the floor. Those things are expensive. They're and, so expensive. And he had three. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, they don't want us thinking about it at all. No. Uh, I really liked that they seem to have learned the lesson from last season and told everybody after one episode <laughs> Because secrets are boring to watch. Um, so that's, I think, a nice thing. Well, Joe doesn't know. Joe doesn't know. He's still got a secret. Yeah, but still. I mean, at least it's better. Yeah. At least it's better. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they will be giving Iris more to do. Um, 
now that she's involved and she knows and she can have reactions, uh, hopefully it will not just be about how Barry feels about all this. Um, yeah. But yeah, other so like I was pleasantly surprised. My expectations were real low, but I was still yeah. pleasantly surprised. Um, Legends of Tomorrow. I don't want to go into this that one that much. Uh, Readers of the Lost Art. Um, I was a little too in love with the George Lucas part of it. Like I was having a lot of fun with the episode, and then they just were like, "Pivot! It's all about George Lucas now." And I was like, "Okay, this is yeah." Like... It was a very weird decision to be like. The entire back half of our episode is about the importance of George Lucas to men. Yeah. And none of the ladies, you know, obviously, you know, one of them. Well, from there's the past, only two but, ladies yeah. and one of them is yeah. from the 1940s. <laughs> yeah. And I would totally see Sarah dig in the crap out of something like an Indiana Jones. She feels like someone who would love Indiana Jones. So I thought that was yeah. a little weird. And instead she's just. Yeah, it is. It is a little weird. And. It's a very, it's just a super aggressively meta episode for them. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, even like the uh, Rip's now film director student going, oh, God, that guy play, playing Vandal has all the menace of a wiener dog. And it's just like, well, I'm glad you realized your mistake and are willing to acknowledge it. <laughs> but Legends maybe, you know. <laughs> should have figured that out somewhere in season one. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, as for... The rest, of, I mean, like, I don't, I don't care about Severe Destiny, and I don't care about Rip, and, um, I mean, it's good that they have purpose; they have something they're going to be working towards. That's direction, yeah. like just like with Flash, that's good. It's helpful for the show, but, um, yeah, it's so sad. This show makes me so sad because it makes me have to acknowledge that I don't care if Arthur Darville comes back, and I love him so much on on Doctor Who. He's so good on Doctor Who, but. It's just I don't care about Rip. At least his American accent's not terrible. Like it's not as honking as like a lot of other British people doing American accents can be. Yeah, yeah. It's not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, it's not as bad as like Cumberbatch's in Doctor Strange, which was yeah really bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I yeah, don't have it. It's just yeah. yeah. I don't have anything else. Though. Anything else? Any other thoughts on Legends? No, but speaking of a lack of direction. <laughs> Arrow. Now, I was glad that they pretty quickly got the Laurel stuff out of the way. Uh, I thought that the answers they gave were plausible, like a stretch, but plausible for this show. Um, until uh, And then when they revealed that, no, it was just, it's the one that we already know about. She just escaped out of jail. I was like, okay, well, actually, that makes way more sense. Um, uh, I did really get a kick, though, out of um, who one of the newbies being like, you guys are acting like, Coming back from the dead is not a big deal. And they're like, well, yeah, it's a thing. It's like, well, maybe it's The Lance sisters keep doing that. They do that a bunch. And and Thea basically did that. And, um, and oh, well, maybe... Well, Thea was only, like, mostly dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, and then the whole, like, evil twin thing. Maybe it's an evil twin. It's like, oh, it is an evil... Like, I just loved the reactions to that. They were... Just, they were... They were... Because it could have been too much. Um, but I thought they pitched that just right with the, the, the newbies who don't know this stuff. Um, I like that they have, that they seem to be walking back the Mr. Terrific stuff a bit and remembering that you don't need to make this guy a, you know, a badass fighter dude because he's already a brilliant, like, intellect and, and inventor and scientist and everything. Like, let him do that. You already have lots of people who punch stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know that I buy after they spent so much time building him up as a physical threat. I don't know that I buy him 
just being terrible at that now. But um, I like that they are at least addressing that and doing something slightly different with him. Um, hopefully they repair that relationship because I'm actually rather invested in him and Paul. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think it's, I think Katie Cassidy is really fun when they let her be fun. Yes. So I'm glad that she's still in the world. Yeah. I, I, I you like this a lot more than I did. Um, <laughs> I liked a lot, like you'd highlighted a lot of the reactions and everything. Uh, but it's just like, A, there was zero doubt that this was Black Siren. Mm-hmm. There was like, this of course was Black Siren. But I'm immediately just like, but how does Prometheus know about alternate Earths? How does Prometheus know that yeah. it was in the central city? How does he, like, how does he know any of this, basically, is my yeah. question. And I'm sure, like, it'll get revealed in episode 22, and mm-hmm. it'll all come together. But it's just like, this is stretching the bounds of what this guy can do in ways that I'm not okay with, basically. And it was just really frustrating. And the other thing that was also just really deeply frustrating is... And I, I told mentioned this to someone on Twitter who asked me if I was excited about the show coming back. And I was just like, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that... I, I don't need to watch Oliver be like, I can find redemption in her, but I can't find it in myself. <laughs> Stare off into the... Yeah. Yeah, yep. and it's just like, I don't need to watch this anymore. I know how Oliver feels about this, and he's just going to mope about it for the rest of the season. I watched season three. I know how this goes. <laughs> and so it's just, I, I don't need to watch this again, basically. Yeah. And as much as I enjoyed, like you said, Katie Cassidy, when she can... Katie Cassidy seems really comfortable when she gets to play evil. Like, mm-hmm. she was good on Supernatural when she got to play, like, a morally compromised demon type of character so her doing black siren and like kind of veering into like Hannibal Lecter territory a little bit every now and then here was just really good and really liberating for her as a performer and you got to see that in her performance and you got to see that in how everyone was responding to her as well which was very different from how they typically respond to her and that like kept the episode moving really for me because otherwise this would have just been a real real dud as opposed to just kind of like I get it. This was a weird stopgap to show how cool and powerful and all-knowing Prometheus is. But, yeah. Okay. But I don't care about Prometheus either. Yeah. No, because it, it's not Tommy because he's busy being a doctor in Chicago. So I don't know who this is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, good times. Good times. Okay, well, let's move on to our last show of the week. One that I think you're a bit more excited is back than some of these other ones. And that is Adventure Time. I completely forgot it was coming back because I knew about Islands, which is coming up pretty soon, but I had forgotten that it was coming yeah, back next before week. Islands. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of, of Two Swords, Do No Harm, Wheels, High Strangeness, and Horse and Ball? Okay. And you haven't watched Horse and Ball yet, right? Yes. I'm behind on Horse and Ball, but I've seen all the other ones. Okay. All right. So Horse and Ball is a good, like, James Baxter, uh, who's the horse that balances himself on the beach volleyball it's a it's a good episode that's about james baxter so i look forward to you discussing that soon uh but i feel like we should just like do the standalones and then dive into two two ferns and or two two swords and then do no harm um but so i I, i'm sort of i've i think i've hit my limit on jake is a bad dad okay I uh, even not, though, I, not even no, close. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed Wheels, but I, I need, like, something fresh to happen in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like, I, I don't need Jake to be like, I need to be cool. And it's just like, 
I've seen you kind of like need to. Sh- I've seen Jake need to shore up this kind of thing before. The episodes themselves are always good. I just never like feel like Jake's getting anything out of them, mm-hmm. which is why I just like I need something like to happen within them that Jake learns something basically, as opposed to I'm going to go into the pit of love type of thing. And so I need something else to happen. Even though like I loved a lot of the animation wheels, I liked how Finn was just like very, dude, come on. Dude, this is a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping the handkerchief, yeah. yeah. No, that was terrific. I, I had a lot of fun this one. I liked it more than you did, but I, I see what you're saying as far as like yeah. the it getting a little old uh, to, to yeah. keep repeating the same story beats. Um, but I, I like um, Kim Kawan. I, it was fun for me to watch this so quickly after, of course, Sean on The Good Place, also uh, played by Mark Evan Jackson, uh, an early contender for Six Man Award. Already two quality voice, uh, you know, regular performance and a voice performance as well this year um i liked the uh just the the visual design of the skate park and everything i thought that that was nice and and it was um yeah it was it was it was fun it was fun to see that and to to watch jake just straight up lose was also fun for me so i think i like how does he get beaten up so hard when by just running into a sign (laughs) yeah yeah, um, I think that's also maybe some of his deflated ego at the same time. Sure. But, but that's yeah. That's fair. No, yeah. Um, High Strangeness was just weird. Uh, but if nothing else, it gave us the beautiful gif that I have now seen, or gif that I've now seen on my Twitter feed, of the glue and the sparkle for fascism, which I have a feeling might get a little play in my Twitter bubble um, in the foreseeable future. Uh, this was just crazy but also neat and also political. And also I'm not sure if it means anything at all. So what do you think? Right. Uh, you'll have to send me that uh, gif of, um, I can't remember his tree trunks. Per- oh, tree trunks. Right. Um, stuff. But I basically just respond to tree trunks yelling at princess Bubblegum, Don't you condescend to me, you false idol. And it's just like, <laughs> Oh, you people and your King of Ooh support. I'll never understand it. Uh, but, yeah, it's just very aggressively weird. But at the same time, it's worth it, basically, for me, again, for just a beautiful animation shot of tree trunks and bubblegum after they wake up from their trip. Yeah. And just how really beautifully rendered Ooh is in that like kind of sunset walk that they have. It's just gorgeous. It's so, so pretty. And... Also, just all the other stuff that I really enjoy about Bubblegum being like this technocratic despot, um, mm. benevolent technocratic despot, but also someone who's just like, uh, on the DL, it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing I can do. It's it's just going to happen. And all this stuff about wanting to like send candy across mm. the galaxy and that sort of thing is just really interesting. It's not nothing that needs to come back, really. It's, that mm-hmm. just needs to be isolated here. But at the same time, I'm very much with you in the sense that I'm, I'm still not sure that that meant anything at all, apart from its endorsement of polyamory of Tree Trunks, her mm-hmm. alien husband, and uh, her Mr. Pig. Yeah. Um, <laughs> her space husband and her ooh husband, yeah. Yes. No, yeah, and, and those just super weird alien babies, too. And just, like... Oh god, I I love I love a show that'll just just be weird. It's just just a super weird episode. That's all I got. But it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so two swords 
and do no harm. Finn, the doctor, I'm going to drop this thing on her head. Uh, it was pretty. It worked though. <laughs> it did. It did work. Uh, it was neat. And the, the little like squid Cthulhu creepy little mini, you know, monster thing. I'm it's, waiting for the rising. It's super, super creepy. Like that yeah. is very effectively very creepy. So yeah. well done, Adventure Time. What did you think of these first two? Well, I think, and I joke tweeted about this, and I both believe this and don't believe this, that the revelation that Dr. Princess is not a doctor mm-hmm. is huge. It has huge ramifications for all of you going forward because it also means that Dr. Prince is not a doctor. <laughs> Um, in the Fiona and Cake world, but uh, that that was just a joke. I really really loved because I I I really love Doctor Princess for so <laughs> so her whole I'm not really a doctor and she's got these shades and she's just like I'm tired of working double shifts. You're a doctor now. No one knows anything. And so I just really enjoyed that. But I I really appreciated the explanation for Grassfin. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I liked how a lot of that was resolved. And I liked how uncomfortable Jake was with all of it. Mm-hmm. And it was also just a really good voice performance, which wasn't Jeremy Shada. It was uh, someone else whose name I can't remember. But doing like a very riff on Jeremy Shada's voice, which is really cool. And But it was also the same person who provides the voice for the squid thing as mm-hmm. well. So it's the same voice. And... It, it was just really, really good. I'm, like you, I'm very interested to see what happens to Fern as he um, goes out into the world with his amazing, amazing grass hair mm-hmm. to mimic Finn's amazing, amazing hair that he yeah. never cuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm eager for him to come back at some point and to see how all of this is going to play off. But uh, I also just really enjoyed the grass wizard being like, I know you <laughs> don't I and then just getting beaten up to death and Jake being like uh you need to like scale back just a little bit yeah so I I know it, it was a really compelling like search for identity and it really mirrored a lot of like what we've been dealing with Finn prior to this point with last season because now we can say last season and it actually being last yeah. season yeah um and how he was trying to come to grips with maturity and who he was and what he was in the world basically and who he was to himself and it was good to see that represented both the sword but also the sword dealing with what what the weird what the grass sword curse was basically waiting for and i thought that was all really really, really good yeah there's there's so much uh... There's so much coming, I'm certain, with these last couple seasons. And knowing that there is a concrete end that they're working towards as well makes it all the more intriguing for me. Um, Yeah, again, so much creativity, so much fun. Um, We're going to miss it when it's gone. But fortunately, it's not for quite a while. So, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun with Adventure Time. So glad that it's back. And, yeah, like you said, Islands is this next week, right? So another – Week of Adventure Time. Good stuff. Well, what wins your weekend genre and drama? Uh, I will give it to Supergirl this week. Uh, just really solid week. And I also just, we didn't mention this, but when bragging about going to another planet was amazing. And <laughs> James being kind of jealous of that, also kind of amazing. Well, because so, you would, yeah. right? I yeah, mean. Right. No, why wouldn't you brag about that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, Supergirl. Uh, what about you? I bet it was Riverdale. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> no. Um, but I will. Uh, I'll give it just to the week of Adventure Time, because because okay. uh, just like I don't. Not there's one particular one that stands out to me, but it's just this little bite of fun every day. So I was very glad that it's back. So that's what I'll give it to. Um, now we will take a break and come back and just have a, a brief chat about uh, remembering Mary Tyler Moore. So we'll listen to a little clip of her and be right back after this. Stoneham today. We had a pretty good year. Got a list of awards here that we won. Okay, they're Mickey Mouse awards, but he doesn't know that. All right, the ratings haven't I been don't so. Believe this. What? I, I'm upset, and, and you're you're just ignoring it. Well, I figured it was just one of those woman things. <laughs> no, Mr. Grant, it's not one of those woman things. I, I would like to know why. The last associate producer before me made $50 a week more than I do. Oh, because he was a man. <laughs> Let me get this straight. Uh, mm -hmm. The only reason he was paid more than I am is because he was a man? Oh, sure. It has nothing to do with your work. <laughs> wait, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, because I, cause I really, I, I want to understand this. Uh, I'm doing as good a job as he did. Better. Better. <laughs> and I'm being paid less than he was because... You're a woman. Well, Mr. Grant, there is no good reason why two people doing the same job at the same place shouldn't be making he the same... He had a family to support. You don't. Now, why don't you come back when you have an answer to that? <laughs> Tyler Moore passed away. She was she was 80 and rushed to the hospital. Unfortunately, did not make it. Um, Im almost immediately, there was a big outpouring um, on TV Twitter about it. Uh, certainly, 
you know, like it's 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 interesting because with Mary Tyler Moore, obviously she started her start on the Dick Van Dyke show and then she went and did the Mary Tyler Moore show after that. But, you know, while she's appeared in other things, she didn't then go on and do another show, another show, another show that really caught on in the same way. She hasn't been uh, had like a, a late you know, late in life renaissance to her career, the way that maybe say like a Betty White has had. Or Cloris Leachman, really. Or Cloris, you know, like, yeah, several, there's, there's a lot of performers like that, but, but she's still so beloved by people who love TV. If they've seen the Dick Van Dyke show or Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, and for me, I, I, I was immediately so grateful to Sarah Rodman for having come on the podcast to get, and who got me to watch it in the first place. Cause it was one of those shows, the Mary Tyler Moore show is one of those shows that I always felt bad that I hadn't seen. It was like one of those ones that you hope doesn't come up in conversation. So you don't have to admit you haven't seen right. it, you know? Um, but I was never going to make myself prioritize it until I had to. And I did when she came on the podcast and I love that show so much. Noel, I think it's one of the best shows yeah. in the history of television um, one of the best characters and one of the most disappointingly still so relevant in its social causes today. Um, but so, so finding hearing that she had passed away um, was, of course, very sad, but it also just reminded me and I think it made a lot of us so grateful for her contribution to to, te- to television and to storytelling and to the art form. Um, yeah, it's such a beautiful show, Mary Tyler Moore show and the Dick Van Dyke show and such a beautiful, warm person. Yeah. What she's always been. So that, that's, I, I was just like, I need to spend some time and watch some of the episodes and just kind of bask in the, the warm glow of Mary Tyler Moore. What was your reaction? What did you, how did you do process? Um, well, I was just really busy at work this week, so I didn't get a, much of a chance to process. So I retweeted a couple of things and read a few mm-hmm. things afterwards and just kind of, like use Twitter as like a vicarious processing. Uh, so Moore was just one of those figures that actually I didn't see her first on television. Like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore were things that kind of like existed on my periphery for a little while. Like the first thing I saw her in was like ordinary people. Um, yeah. Which is a, a terrific, completely different. Right. Right. It's just like, I don't understand why people think this woman's funny. She's very serious. Um <laughs> And she's fantastic and no and uh no ordinary people and or sorry, ordinary people. And so it's a very um it was a very different type of thing, but then it was just like I watched some Dick Van Dyke and I watched some Mary Tyler Moore and it was just like, Oh, this is this is really, really good. She's she's so funny. She's so, so very funny. And so a lot of that was just washing over and like you, I watched watched a couple of episodes. Um on Hulu and then a couple on YouTube because Hulu's just like, eh, you only need the first three seasons. And she's like, no, I actually need some <laughs> no. of the later seasons when the show really gets cooking. But thanks for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for that 20th Century Fox fist shake. And, <laughs> but it's it's it was a good reminder of like how beloved she was as a figure, but also as an act, as like a character as well. Because it was really difficult to like separate her from the Mary Richards and as Laura on Dick Van Dyke is like, she's just, it's, it's an aggressively fearless. Both of them are just like aggressively fearless comedic performances. Um, and like, I saw a couple of gifts that I really liked that were shared from like Laura with her, like, how about a smile? And she goes, "Mm." 
and like this bear <laughs> grin type of thing but it's just like even in the 50s and 60s it was just like this this isn't an okay thing to say and it's like really ahead and that's just really really great and the other thing that i just kind of came to and Anne helen peterson uh from buzzfeed mentioned this is that the other thing that we need to remember like about mary tyler moore is mtm enterprises which she and her then-husband, Grant Tinker, who went on to run NBC during the 80s, uh, back when NBC, like, he and he spearheaded NBC becoming a major powerhouse um, into the 90s, is that they started this, they started MTM to produce the Mary Tyler Moore show. And the thing about MTM is, like, I mean, she ran it, Grant Tinker ran it, and they produced a ton of other really terrific programs, including like WKRP in Cincinnati, just to name one, but there's plenty more. But the thing is, is like this this kind of a production company of is very similar to like a lot of Norman Lear's type of stuff, in which because of how regulation worked uh, in the TV industry with the finance syndication rules before they were loosened really heavily in the 80s and then again in 1996 with the Telecommunications Act uh, that Clinton signed, is that the broadcast networks couldn't produce their own television programming. They, it was against the law. They couldn't do it. So they had to rely on independent producers like Norman Lear, like MTM Enterprises, to produce their television programming and to buy that television programming. And that that allowed for shows like the Mary Tyler Moore show or shows like when we discussed one day at a time, Norman Lear's programming to find their way onto the air because they only had the producers to rely on. And what the producers were making is what the broadcast networks could buy and air. So while there were trends that these, that producers, savvy producers caught on to and worked with networks to develop, but it also allowed for people with proven track records to do things like what Norman Lear does and what MTM Enterprises really did. But that's something that's increasingly rare now, unless you're Shonda Rhimes or a big name producer type. But then you're just striking up deals with basically the you're still producing your show, but through the broadcast network's studio now as well. So it gets kind of squishy and complicated. So it's not like Shonda Rhimes is ever going to produce a show for NBC, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's just because of how things work now. But like MT a lot of MTM's programming aired on like CBS, but could have aired elsewhere as well. And that's just how media conglomeration works. But this is a woman who started her own production company with her husband to produce her own television show that was about her. And it's just mm -hmm. huge. And again, this is this is a company that started in 1969. And it's mm -hmm. just, it's something that can get forgotten when we talk about just the show and not even getting into like the weird feminist relationship with the Mary Tyler Moore show in general, which is a very fraught thing. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where you just, she was really ahead of her time in a lot of ways. And it's a real loss, even like you said, that she didn't have like a post-career renaissance or that two of her co-stars basically outlived her, even though they're both much older than her. Mm -hmm. And But thank goodness that they have. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a, she's a, she's a really pivotal woman, a person, forget woman, person, yeah. within the, tele, the history of television. And it's a big loss just historically yeah. speaking. Well, and, and when you look at the Mary Tyler Moore show, 
then that model that they had of production is like, well, we're going to make these. Uh, you need stuff to air, so you're going to air it. Yeah. Um, that let them, gave them so much freedom to do topics that, and to, to tackle issues that she cared about. Yeah. And that their, the show cared about. And I watched uh, several episodes today, but one of the ones I watched was the Equal Pay episode. Yeah. Which is very, very similar to the Equal Pay episode of One Day at a Time that we got the new One Day at a Time on Netflix this January. It's almost the exact, she like stumbles into over information that she's being paid significantly less than her, in the, in the Mary Tyler Moore show, it's her predecessor. And she goes to asks why, and it's because she's a woman. <laughs> and her boss says, well, it's definitely not because of your skills, because you're way better than the last guy was. But, you know, I, I can pay you less, so I, so, so I did. And by the end of the episode, she's, you know, they're going to get her, he promises to get her uh, a raise to match. Not, to, not, not a raise above what the other guy was getting, even though she's better than him, but at least to match. Um, and, and these are conversations that the show was having in 1972, 1971, when it first aired. The, um, she was the first character on TV to take the pill. Um, she, in the pilot, she's newly single at 30 for the first significant time in her adult life. And she kicks her her would be you know husband out at the end. And says no, I'm not. I'm putting myself first because you're a piece of crap and you're gonna do this again. And I need to be on my own. And that commitment to that for that character throughout the series to not define her through traditional gender roles and to well never uh, ignoring her identity and who she was uh, was was just terrific and it's still an incredibly funny show it's incredibly talented cast um really sharp and a lot of and a lot of fun for for most of its run it's surprisingly consistent i i I really do recommend people go check it out but that show and like and and then even just on the dick van dyke show where she's like she's the wife yeah but she's so fun and she's so funny and she's such an equal she's she was very young it was like her first role um she's so young in that and and yet She's right there with Dick Van Dyke, who at that time was an old pro. Um, and, and she took what could have been such a forgettable character and, uh, like, through how good she was, they basically had to make home life half of the show yeah. instead of making it mostly about his his work. Um, and her dancing around in, like, a sweater and some, some pants and flats. That's how she got dressed up. Yeah. On that show, not ball gowns, not super sexualized most of the time. And like, it was just a different type of young, smart, uh, powerful in her own way, women, both of those characters. And, and Mary Richards just set a type for female protagonists um, that has had a, a resurgence in the past 10 20 years that it's been you there's a direct through line yeah. with with mary richards to somebody like elaine bennis to somebody like uh, t- uh, uh tina fey's character liz on 30 rock who's liz lemon thank you it was escaping me um and and so yeah it's it's mary tyler moore had a profound impact on the industry mary richards had a profound impact on on TV and storytelling in that in that manner, so people should absolutely go check check out some episodes. Wh- which episodes did you revisit? Uh, which ones? I watched the one where I watched the Chuckles bites the dust because how could you not? Yeah, because it's yeah. so good. 
Um, she's so amazing in that funeral when she's trying to not laugh. Oh my, um, like, like that episode as a whole doesn't get me the way that it does for a lot of yes, people. But that but final as just scene. As a, yeah, she's so good. Her performance, she's yeah. so good. <laughs> um, I watched the episode where they address uh, Rhoda's like in uh, in real life weight loss. And mm-hmm. how they navigate the fact, th- how she feels about that, and how Rhoda is yeah. like constantly like just like not seeing herself as uh, having lost twenty pounds and all this sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. the realization that hey, she's hot now, she can carry her own spinoff, and that kind of yep. yeah, so like all of that kind of fraught stuff because I mean she wins the beauty pageant, uh, like first place wins a beauty pageant with that. Um, what else did I watch? Uh, I watched the one where Phyllis tries to set Mary up with her brother, who's very, very gay. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes out, but it's downplayed a lot as well within the confines of the episode. And I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but I also remembered uh, Murray in Love, which is a really good episode for Gavin McLeod, uh, in which he confesses that he's been in love with Mary all this time, or at least for a while he's been in love with Mary. And just mm-hmm. that episode alone, like I watched it again maybe two or three years ago and it was it was just it's startling how different tv is because that's one of those things that would have been played out like across either the entire run of the show or at least for a season now and it's just like the episode is him dealing Mm -hmm. with this and going down to the bar and discussing it with lou grant and also if you like the mary tyler moore show watch the lou grant show and for something completely different (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very completely different yeah. but it, it i just remember that one as well um even though i didn't revisit it but it's also one of those episodes that just sticks out in my head in part because gavin mcleod is really great on that episode um as is basically that entire crackerjack cast i mean ted knight is ted baxter good lord mm-hmm. good lord <laughs> oh never has an idiot that insufferable been, been that amazing basically like and we're talking about like through lines of characters it's just like you can draw a direct connection from Ted Baxter to Tracy Jordan. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. What else mm-hmm. did you revisit uh, apart from the pay episode? Yeah, well, the Chuckles Bites the Dust uh, episode, which, again, just, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's really good. <laughs> um, I always love, of course, the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, it may look like a walnut. Oh, good choice. Uh, which is so much fun and the the party that they host at their house um that one and uh, her getting stuck in the bathtub (laughs) which is mostly an off-screen performance but it's still so good um so yeah there was one other um there's one other one i watched i was uh, the like half awake So I'm not the one where uh she's dealing with drunk lou oh right no that's a really good episode too that's a really, really good yeah. one too. And he's, he's, he's strained with his marriage yeah. and um, she's helping him with that. Um, that was another really terrific one. And, and the thing that always just strikes me and talking about different, the other character that reminds me so much of Mary Richards is Jane Villanueva because Mary Richards more than anything else is always kind and a prime example that kind can be interesting and good Somebody who's actively a good, that that is important to them, can be just as interesting as, uh, take all your anti-heroes, put them in a blender, 
you know that that style that approach to to character and to storytelling yes it's it can be make amazing television but there's nothing to say you can't make amazing television with someone who's a just at their heart a decent good kind person um and so that's really what i think of for mary richards any final thoughts no just my uh, encouragement to watch both of these shows and a bunch of the mtm enterprise shows because like i just mentioned wkrp in cincinnati but they also produce till someday they'll get the rights and they'll that'll go out on dvd someday just the music is so expensive so expensive but they also produce shows that you can watch pretty easily so they produce hill street Mm -hmm. blues they produce remington steel they produce saint elsewhere and their last really good show was New Heart, which is a little harder to track mm-hmm. down. But New Heart is, after the first season, an aggressively weirdly funny show. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd encourage you to check out other shows that she had a hand in. Uh, at least her company had a hand in. Yeah, that's a great, great way to, to, to pay tribute to Mary Tyler Moore outside of her, her work on screen. So thank you for, bringing, for for mentioning that. I wouldn't have thought to mention the behind-the-scenes stuff, so thank you, Noel. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. People can find a post for this episode at theteleverse.org, the website for the podcast. You can leave us a comment there. Let us know what you thought of the week's TV. Let us know your favorite um, Mary Tyler Moore memories and anecdotes. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can find us uh, in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed an mp3 unchaptered feed and we're also up in stitcher and we'd appreciate any ratings or reviews you want to give us in either place um it does help other people find the show and of course we're both up on twitter i'm at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk and i'm back at writing the flash at tvguide.com so you can find weekly deep dives uh there (laughs) after an episode is aired yeah um thank you once again noel thank you uh everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse Thank you.